monetize those. Pet stores, it's grimy. Yeah, like whoever brings the most money. Um, yeah, then they discount them, like discount a dog. Like, yeah, he's on sale today. That sounds so bad. <laughs> <laughs> You're on sale. <laughs> so bad. On the first episode of Mound Visits, I sit down with good friend and former client Kyrie Washington. Kyrie was drafted in 2015 by the Boston Red Sox at a Longwood University. He's a Cape Cod Baseball League alumni, played five years in the minor leagues, and many scouts graded him as having 80 power. Today, he's a former accountant and trying to make himself an 80-grade scout. In our conversation, we talked about everything from French Bulldogs, age discrimination, and professional baseball, the current status of the 2020 MLB draft, and our friendship with Ryan Costello. Everyone's talking about getting back on the field. My biggest thing is, are these guys going to be able to get on the field safely? Like, are the, is the industry going to rush them onto the field because of the circumstances? Think about the buildup the pitchers have to do. Like, you can't just throw them out there. Like, no. it's going to take, for starters, it takes, what, a whole month, really, in spring to get where you need to be? Yeah. That's yeah, I mean, they ramped up, to ramp back down, to ramp back up. That's going to be hopefully in a perfect no world. You're thinking to yourself, yeah, well, they're just maintaining what they just went through in spring training. But you, as a player, know that's not you can't do that. No, there's yeah. I mean, you can't just flip the switch. There's there's no switch. You got to be ready. Like uh, yeah, spring training. You don't really feel good until the end of spring, anyways. So like, think about the period of time they're going to need to ramp up after this all gets settled if it does but yeah hopefully yeah, I mean, no injuries so you know you we were talking about all the headlines about baseball getting back in the biosphere example where they're all in one city or two cities well, none of it talks about the minor leagues no that's yeah what are I've they i've been reaching out to my old uh like teammates i'm like what are you guys hearing they're like nothing i was like yeah i haven't seen or heard any articles out about any kind of plan being constructed for the minor leaguers yeah, we both know that there are probably three times as many personnel on the minor league side than the major league side. So if there think were all the cities, what's that? Think of all the cities that the minor league teams are in, like right. every level from the big leagues down to rookie ball. Like that's a whole different conversation. And I don't think they've had it yet. It yeah. seem like it. I mean, they're worried about quarantining these guys that, okay, you got 40 guys, let's say there's 40 players that you're 50 to be generous that you're bringing back into spring training to, you know, get ready for the season to have enough players to adequately play because there's going to be injuries. There's going to be, you know, different things where they're going to need a you know, poor performance and want to get one guy out and another guy in. They're worried about that. Now you're now bringing on another 150 players plus personnel, coaches, staff. I mean, is there a chance that minor leagues just get scrapped altogether and see in the fall? And the testing too, like, are they going to have that many tests, you think, to test every player? Like, I mean, doesn't look like it right now with how the resources are in the country. Think about this dynamic, too, and we just, we just kind of saw witness to this where, you know, with the agreement between the PA and MLB, where the minor leaguers got shafted in the deal. They don't make any money for the owners, right? So why would you even have a minor league season this year if you're the owner? Yeah. It's going to cost you money, right? And then think about the minor league like towns like those uh employers or employees for the actual teams like that's a whole nother 
segment that has to get hashed out. Like, it's gross, man. Like, yeah, like I said, like, no one, this is like, this will never happen again in our lifetime. Like, this is, and people still aren't taking it serious. So it's like, come on. Yeah, the other thing I'm watching is how many rounds of the draft is going to be because it, all they said was a minimum of five. They didn't say how many. They could still make yeah. it ten if they wanted yeah, to. Yeah, five, five to ten, that was the range I heard. Yeah, with no player signing for what? Twenty grand. Twenty grand, yeah. Especially the guy, like, like you said, the juniors. Like, they could go yeah. back as a junior next year, but they're still a year older. A year older. Yeah, and that's what the, like you said, the age discrimination thing. Like, uh, did, you, did you read that article? Yeah, I did. That's log, whatever you want to call it. It's good. No, like a lot of people don't think about that because in any other sport, you think about it. Basketball, you're a senior at Duke. You played four years. You're as good as you were as a freshman. You chose to stay at school to get your education, but when you come out, you're still going to go in the first round. College, it's not like that. Like you're scrapping to make it to the big leagues after that. And yeah, that's the thing that I think all college people, college players, should be mindful of. Um, do you think that's like something that's mindful, like they're mindful of it at all? Like, do you think that's on their radar at all when they're going through it? For me, it wasn't. Like, I left school because I really wanted to play. It wasn't even about the age thing. I didn't really know about that until I got into pro ball. Um, yeah, as a junior, I was like, I want to go play. I don't want to come back to school. But, like, it didn't go through my mind that if I had to go back to school, how far I had to climb when I got into the minors after my senior year. So yeah, a lot of players don't even flinch with that. I don't think, uh, yeah, the info, it's out there for them, but I don't know if it's hidden or just overlooked or I don't know. But yeah, I think it's definitely a conversation that will help some players out. Because your window is so small. We always talk about it. Like your window to make it to the big leagues is so small. And Yeah, it goes by quick. Yeah. It reminds me like how, like I remember when I was a freshman in high school and someone was talking to the class saying, you know, these four years are going to go by like a blink of an eye. And I was just like, it's four years. And then like when you're 15 years, 14 years old, you're thinking four years is like, that's like what a quarter of your life or yeah, whatever it is. So you're like, nah, it's, I can't imagine that's going to happen. But then like next thing you know, you're graduating and say, wow, that went by in a blink of an eye. Um, same thing with these guys where when I worked for the Dodgers being in player development, seeing the turnover of the players constantly. And I remember that guy just getting drafted and I was out, you know, just like that. You know, other guys, you see who kind of lasts and who doesn't, you know, being left-handed pitcher kind of helps sometimes, yeah. you know, with longevity. But, you know, you really have to have a skill set that carries you if you don't have the total package. You got to have some carrying tool or money propelling you through um like for a senior sign like guys that make it those are the guys that i mean really really deserve it think about it like i felt like i was just drafted 2015 reporting to fort myers for my first week of pro ball and it's like went by like that like five years flew by in the blink of an eye so how good is college baseball gonna be by the way if there's only five rounds of the draft be stacked um i just I wonder about the scholarship situation. I was talking to some, uh, a few players in my college that are seniors and they were posting, uh, like had a great career, but now they, like, they found out they have the opportunity to go back, but it's like school only gets so many scholarships. So you got to let people go or. I, I think know. a lot of seniors aren't going to get scholarships unless they're really good. Yeah. Cause I mean, the freshman studs coming out of high school, like, they get first pick, really. Like, you're not going to – I mean, yeah, the seniors are seasoned and have been there and know the program, but you still want that freshman that you've been waiting on for two years. Like, they're not going to just let them – tell them to walk. So. so, 
One thing I wanted to ask you, because I don't think I've ever asked you this, but I've, I've heard the story from Beanick was what it was like when you were in, at Longwood and the whole agent process, or I believe you're down the Cape, uh, where there's yeah. forms of agents. And what was that like, uh, trying to choose an agent and going through that process? Yeah, my story, I had, before the draft, I had two different guys that I worked with um, early in the year at Longwood, my junior year. I had a guy out of Richmond, Virginia. Um, that didn't really work out. We kind of didn't see eye to eye. Um, so I had a period of a long stretch of like uh, team meetings where I didn't have an agent. So I couldn't really, I didn't have anyone to lean on. So it was just like trying to figure, all, figure it all out myself. And yeah, kind of a game sped up on me a lot. I remember feeling so frustrated. Like, I don't know what to say. Like uh, these scouts are coming in asking uh, how, how much money you're looking for. It's like, I don't know the right answer to that. So. Um, just having that guidance is something I wish I uh, would have found earlier. I think John told yeah, me I, that you know something happened with your other agent and you didn't have an agent and you had had a previous relationship with him because he was your coach, right? Yeah, so he coached me at yeah Longwood for um, two years. So yeah, we had we kept in touch after he had left. So um, I knew he had went went to work for an agency. So we had a few meetings. I met with him, talked to Nick, and yeah, that's how that all got started. But yeah, yeah I think it's, with, your, uh, with your first agent, it kind of just like I don't know. I we had a few teams come in to work me out, and then after that, it was kind of a it was a situation where I felt like I wasn't getting the most out of what I needed because I mean, you get drafted, you pay these guys. Like you want someone that you feel is uh, like working for you. Like you want to be given the best situation possible. So, so, um, so this guy worked for you before the draft, but then after the draft, you saw a difference in service. Uh, so the guy that worked me worked for me before the draft, I didn't have him after the draft. So during the draft, I didn't have an agent quote unquote. I had a, one of my um, travel ball coaches set me up with a guy. So he kind of helped me, gave me advice, but he wasn't my agent. So yeah, I kind of did negotiations, all that on my own, which was tough. So yeah, that's, Looking back now, I, if I had to go back and change it, that's the one thing I would change. Because um, negotiation, that's a big part of it. And teams know, like, I mean, college kids don't really have an idea what's going on. The agents do. Like, they've negotiated. They've done arbitration. If I had to give one player advice, it's make sure you have a good agent by the draft. Someone yeah. on your side. That's something I've seen, like, in other aspects of life. Because, like, before becoming an agent, I didn't really – I didn't have – obviously didn't have the point of view of being an agent or the point of view of the players towards their agents. Um, but since being an agent, I see a lot of parallels to other industries. And anytime you're negotiating something of large value, it's, it's almost a good idea. You see it in any phase of the life. You usually have a third party do it for you because the emotions of what you are negotiating for usually are pretty high on one side or the other. And if you're like, let's say you're going to buy a house. Um, a lot of people hire real estate agents, you yeah. know, so they can do the negotiations for you and, you know, have that middle person. So you're not at the other person's throat or, you know, in this case, it's, it's your career. I mean, what's more emotional than that? Like negotiating money based on how good you are. I mean, who isn't going to take that personally? Exactly. So, and having someone that, I mean, the agent, he's kind of, he sees both sides of it. Like he talks to the teams directly and you. So like, you know exactly what your plan is in the draft and having a good idea of where you're projected to go, I think will help a lot of guys because they get so disappointed when they don't go in the fifth round. 
when they think they are and they end up going in the 31st round, it's like, I don't want to play anymore. Like, and if you have that information as a player, you know, you're going to go in the 31st round or someone around there. I think that helps a lot. Like, cause uh, I mean, you can't be bitter in pro ball. Like you've got to go play like a lot of, you see a lot of egos and bitterness getting away a lot of players and they don't make it. They have the talent, but it's more than just being good um, with making it to the big leagues. So you've seen a lot of players like kind of start off on the wrong foot. Oh yeah. Um, like in the rookie levels, um, like you see a lot. Like guys are fresh out of the draft. They're mad. They didn't get 500 grand. Um, they only got hundred grand. So it's like, Oh, like, well, well, it's me kind of thing, um, kind of sulking. And that's just not a start. You want to have the pro ball. Um, you, you know how it is in the lower levels. Like, you're grinding, man. Like, yeah, no distractions. You got to put your head down and get out of there before you get stuck there. And I've seen a lot of guys get stuck in the lower levels who had the talent but just didn't have the right mindset. From a player's perspective, you get drafted. That should be the happiest day of your life, you know, at that point. And then using an agent is very smart. I would think just like you're saying where it's you're negotiating something that's pretty important, you know, to have someone that's there that has your back and that can kind of walk you through that is important. But the one thing, and even John and I used to talk about this a lot, but like the agents there to optimize the potential of the player, the player performs, he sets the bar of what he's worth. And then it's up to the player to the agent to try to get that. And yeah, for sure. And then, not screwed up yeah absolutely and uh a lot of guys pick agents that aren't on their side really it's kind of like a just a money situation so i think building that um relationship like we talked about it a long time like when i got hurt like having someone on my side and um just being there to talk helped a lot with sticking with it because i had a lot of times where i just want to give up having an agent that you can confide in and you know that's going to be there um every step of the way is I think more important than any aspect of baseball that or service you can provide in baseball. So yeah, for me, like I fit with the smaller agency as opposed to the the big group where you're kind of just another number to some agents with thousands of clients. It's like, especially all the ones that are like kind of dipping in different fields of sports, like NBA, NFL, NASCAR, UFC, all that. Um, just having an agent that you can be personable with, like invite you guys to my wedding. Like that's, that's a big, uh, awesome. Yeah. That's, yeah, it's awesome. Like, you want to have that relationship forever. So, um. when I was with the Dodgers, I would always kind of talk to players and see if, you know, they had an agent or who their agent was, that sort of questions. And, like, so many times I got the reaction, like, yeah, I got an agent, but, you know, I don't really hear from him or I have to call him a couple times just to get him on the phone because I need a new pair of spikes or whatever it is. And it's like, so I could never differentiate who the good agents were, who the bad agents were from my standpoint there. And I still can't from my, I mean, it's not like agents really talk to each other that much. Like from your experience as a player, like talking to teammates and everything, do you see a big differentiation from guys who went with bigger agencies compared to smaller agencies and the level of service or like the different kinds of service that, that was provided to them or like. Yeah, for sure. Agents um, themselves, like individual agents guys always saw like uh you guys at my games they're like wow your agent really cares for my cat they I mean they see me like five times during the year whereas another player with a big agency would be lucky if his agent sees them one time yeah just like how you guys travel uh and um would go to spring training like that's another thing like at the start of the year like it's good it's refreshing to 
get out to dinner and see your agent and kind of just talk through like because you're grinding in spring training it's just as grueling as a season trying to make a team yeah you're competing for a spot and you really don't want to get left behind so it's just like i said it's just refreshing to talk to your agent every now and then and just to check-ins like hey you need anything you're doing okay like how's everything going and building that lifetime relationship as opposed to someone who you talk to once a year maybe um or you talk to just to get equipment because i wasn't a guy who asked for a lot i'm like i don't care about that stuff like i don't need to look flashy i don't need all like 10 pairs of cleats i just want to talk like because i went through a, in my career i went through a lot of uh adversity and if i didn't have like, a guy like you and guy like john I would have given up a, like a, a while ago, I think. So, yeah. Really cool uh, yeah. You know, I always pass it off to other guys and like younger guys coming out of college that I still talk to. And they're like, what should I look for in an agent? And like, first and foremost, you know, look for someone that is also could also be a friend. Like, cause that's what it is. It's a friendship that just so happens that he works for you as well. So, um, I think the friendship part for me was the coolest part. I know a lot of guys don't have that at all. So, yeah, I think I think what you're touching on from my point of view is like you know, like I, I don't want to give the impression that I go into it looking to be friends with players because I don't. I I look to go into a relationship with a player or an agreement or a business relationship with a player, knowing that there's a good fit. Okay, yeah. personality wise, or like we have, we have the same similar values or. I mean, it doesn't have to be the same values. Like, I'm not talking about political values or anything like that. I'm talking about just like, like, are they a good person? Do they work hard? Do they, what do they expect from me? Is it what I expect from them, vice versa? And just, is it going to work? Because like, I was on the phone yesterday with a junior college coach and he was describing to me a player and he's like, oh, he's a good kid, but you know, yeah, he's a little rough around the edges and you know, he's, he had a, a tough upbringing and I'm just kind of going through it. I'm like, okay. I go, is he a good person? Like, is he a good dude? Like, if he's a good dude, I can work with that. But, like, you know, from an agent standpoint, just – and it's the same thing with from a player standpoint, I would assume, that you want to work with good people and people have your back, you know, because otherwise yeah. you're going to work for each other. You know, I mean, the agent works for the player for the most part, but, like, you're going to want to want to work with the agent just as much yeah, as you sure. want to work with the player. Yeah, because, I mean, at the end, you both working together to make it to the big leagues. And then once you get there, it's like you both have accomplished a really big thing. You know, like you said, players that just aren't good people, um, that's when it really goes south. Because, say, this huge prospect is, I mean, he's destined to make the big leagues, but just off the field troubles, all that, um, that makes the relationship go south just as quick as anything else. Um, because your names are attached to each other now. And, like, uh Say your agent um, went out and did something stupid, got in a bunch of trouble. Like that was bad on you, vice versa. Players, you go and get in off season, get DUI, say, and that was bad on your agent. Like he has to deal with the backlash from that just as much as you do. So yeah, like I said, like you said, the the fit I think is important. Knowing that um, that's why, like I think all the meetings and like uh, the lunches and getting to know who you're really going into business with before you make that decision is huge. And like, if it's not a good fit, like just being a decent person, it's like, Hey, like this isn't going to work out. Like wish you nothing but the best, but like, you just have to know when as a player and an agent, I feel like know when things aren't a good fit and not just uh, doing it for 
um, the satisfaction of, okay, this guy's a big leaguer. He's my client, but he's not really a good person. Right. Yeah, I think that's important. How important did you see uh, from, from teammates like, like, well, I'm with, I like this agency because of who else is in the agency. Like, do you a see lot. That a lot? Yeah. Like, uh, that's the first thing. A lot of guys like, who's this big leaguer he has? I'm like, no one. And I don't care about that. Like, why does that matter? Um, like, you're not, you're not with the agency just because of the name or who else in the big league or which Cy Young pitcher has been with them before. I think that's a, the stigma of like uh, just going with the agency for the brand name and not necessarily um, who's going to help you the most. And you see a lot of guys who get in the pro ball, um, they sign with an agent and pay their 5% or whatever. And then in the lower levels, they scuffle and the agent kind of disappears. And it's like you get those guys reaching out like, I have a lot of guys reach out to me. It's like, is your agent looking for new players? Like, it's like, what happened to your the big time agent you're with? And it's like, oh, like, kind of fell through. And yeah, I just, I hate to see players have to go through that. Um, it's yeah, gross. They're blindsided by it. Of course, you think yeah. when, when you sign on, you're all excited about being part of an agency that has also represents some other players that are pretty high profile. I can, I mean, I can totally understand that perspective. And then, Thinking that, yeah, why would it be different for me? You know, exactly. Of course, they're gonna, you know, but I must be on a similar level. Like, if, I mean, the age of these players factors in too, because I remember being 20 years old and you're naive to the fact. And of course, all these players think they're great because they are, they're really good baseball players. And, you know, do they think that if their production suffers, their agent's gonna go ghost town? On them? Yeah, kind of like always looking over their shoulder, um, looking for that like reaffirmation. Like, like if I do bad, is he, like you said, is he gonna leave? <laughs> so I don't think any player should ever one want that or two like uh, have to deal with that. You're signing on with a player. There should be a commitment both ways. You know, if you expect the player to be committed to you, you better be <laughs> committed to the player. I mean, that's the yeah, best way to put it. For sure. You know, because we like, talked about it. Um, full transparency. Like that's for, that's goes so, so such a long way in baseball and any other aspect of life like if you're like transparent like for you the player knows what he's getting out of you like that i think that's going to build your brand even more than say the flashy names that you would have attached to it if you did happen to have an all-star in the big leagues already that was fully established and we're getting clients that way um i think I told you that, uh, like, just being transparent and the blogs you do, like, that's what, um, like, I, no other agency really does that. Um, it speaks on those issues. Listen, like, uh, it's, to me, the way I look at that is, like, I'm just going to build a database of information, and this is what I'm about. Here, here's all my cards. You can read them. What about uh, going back to, like, when, when you were being recruited by agents? How many, like, did, down the Cape, was it, like, a, a scrum? Back yeah, it's kind of um, – I didn't have the best Cape season. Tried to make some noise in BP in front of the scouts and agents. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, so like after the game, you kind of they kind of approach you and like, hey, you that's good. Uh, I think I met with five on the Cape, five, five or so. Yeah, but there's there's agents at every single game, every single yeah. BP, every single practice. Like they're everywhere. And yeah, just not knowing. I had to know who was a good agent, who did, who wasn't. I remember calling my mom. It's like, mom, an agent just. Uh, contacting me like uh, like what do I do basically um, <laughs> I didn't know I was a sophomore in college 
yeah. not even thinking about really pro ball yet. It was kind of like, I'm not at that point yet. I need to get to that point to where I can get drafted. But yeah, sophomore year, I wasn't at that point yet. So I was way behind <clears throat> on the Cape. And then I uh, had all these teammates that were big time prospects who already had agents. So I kind of learned from them a little bit. But yeah, the meetings, it's like uh, kind of awkward at first. Um, and for me, it's pretty, yeah, pretty uh, outgoing person. It's like, uh, like you don't want to give the vibe that you're being fake, but you also don't want to come on too strong. It's like kind of finding that happy medium. Of, well, I think uh, it goes along with, um, I, I think those, if one thing's good in those meetings, it's like you can find out if there's a fit or not. Sometimes like you get a first impression, like that's not a fit. You can kind of cross mm-hmm. the cross off. Sometimes you come, you might be able to come away as an agent and as a player and says, hey, that was a good dude. Or, you know, it was kind of awkward, but he's not, I, I could see myself talking to him again or something like that. Yeah. You definitely know after the meeting whether or not you think it'll be a good fit. I mean, you don't probably you don't have a like a um, really good idea if you're gonna work together or not. But it's like okay, I can see myself being represented by him, or I can see myself representing him as a player. Face to face meeting, I think that's the only way to really know. Yeah, it's the only way to know if it's a really good fit. When you got back to Fort Myers uh, as a pro scout, you knew you made the right decision. Yeah, I was like walking through those gates and JetBlue. It's like, wow, like, it feels good. Like, didn't have any regrets of playing because I knew I gave them my, my all. Yeah, I hurt my three surgeries. Yeah, three surgeries were all on plays of like hustling and trying to make a play. So, like, didn't have any regrets. Yeah, it's fucking not making the big leagues, but like, we talked about it. Like, this is the next big, next best thing, and you can still make it this way. So just different goals, but same kind of work ethic, same kind of drive. Like working in baseball, there's nothing really better. I don't look at it as a job. It's like something I want to do. So when I, when I was with the Dodgers, I, you know, I'd, I'd always look at some players and say, yeah, that player would make a good coach. You know, or, or I don't recall ever saying, yeah, that guy would make a good scout. But like, when did you kind of know that like, all right, I, I might have an eye for scouting that maybe some of my teammates didn't have. Um, or the organization kind of sees me as or recognizes me as an evaluator? Um, well, for me, uh, I'm all, as a player, I was always evaluating other players, like trying to um, – because I think you can, you can really break down players and just engage in the game and learn and help your game. Um, I know I just talked to John a lot about it other players and okay what's this guy missing uh what does he have like what is he doing well what is he doing bad like taking all those bits and pieces and evaluating that helps you as a player and just learning the game yeah with the red sox it was kind of like uh first and foremost just being a good person like never being a headache always going by your business the right way i think that was definitely just that relationship i had with them um helped a lot with the post-career process and uh after i retired we kind of talked and that we keep in touch. Um, but scouting never crossed my mind. I knew I didn't really want to coach right away. You have some separation as a scout. Yeah. You, you, I, needed to, I needed to get away from the game, and that's why I'm glad I worked in accounting for those six months. Um, I felt refreshed when I came back. I've been, I've been in baseball, playing baseball since I was two years old. So yeah. like, tw- like 23 years of that, like no, nonstop. Like, I played other sports, but – Baseball was always going on. It never stops. So yeah, six, those six months helped me, and I really uh, started talking to my boss, my boss now, um, about what it all entailed. And I was like, 
this is something I've really been interested in. It all just came together um, over a period of time. It's like really just weighing the options of, okay, will I be good at this? And do I really want to put um, myself on the line for the team? And thinking that I wouldn't be able to help them, that would be a disservice to me and the team. So, um, yeah, I think I have a great eye for talent and pretty honest about what I see in players and the game. So that's how uh, – yeah, that's how it all came together. Yeah, I always noticed even when we'd go to lunch or something or dinner, like how much compared to other players you talked about other players, you know, like you were had and you took an interest in how other players were doing and like what they were doing well and what happened to this guy. And like it's it's almost like you were putting scout not scouting reports, but like player reports, you know, together in your head. Yeah, and in Greenville, um, twenty sixteen, I live with uh Akami. And we, after the games, we'd always just, like, break each other's swings down. It's like, okay, this is what I see from the dugout. And, like, this is what you're doing wrong. This, this guy's attacking you this way. and You're not covering the, the plate that way. And, like, you need to um, make some adjustments to get in this position to succeed. So, um, I think, yeah, like that, stuff like that definitely helped um, with, like, the eye for evaluating. But, yeah, so I'm always, like uh, – as a player, I was always checking box scores, seeing how my yeah. things are doing. Like, you you uh, got this rolling, detail-oriented approach to watching sports. Is what yeah, I mean, every, every sport. That like I you're logging that information that. naturally. Like, yeah. that's the job of a scout is to log what he sees, get everything he sees because it's real time, and you don't have the time to, like, hit the rewind button and see something again. You know? No, it's, it's like, yeah, your you are yeah, sample size is so small, and like you can't write everything down. Like you gotta, like you said, have the awareness, and um, players have the internal clock. But as a scout, you gotta have the same thing. You gotta keep your head on the swivel and be able to like watch the game and not watch the wrong part because you have a double in the left center gap. You're seeing a double cut. You want to watch the runner. You gotta keep your head on the swivel, see the ball, and how the speed relates to where the ball is going or how fast the outfielder gets to the ball, and like just stuff like that. Like got to have that revolving to internal club. Yeah. I think I've told you about Dijon Watson. He's uh, my former boss of the Dodgers. And I used to hate watching games with him. Looking back, it was awesome. But this guy could, he could tell you what, what color shirt the guy in the front row was wearing at the same time as what the guy was heckling on the left side, have a conversation in front of him and in back of him, texting on the phone. And then after the game, tell you exactly what every player on the field did. And I was just it's like, true. that's just other world. And, yeah. and he'd be right. You know, he, you know that's, that comes with a, load, a boatload of experience and everything. But, you know, I'd be like in the chair next to him, just like deer eyes at the field trying to catch everything, you know, like, and you're just because I know he was going to ask me. And then next thing you know, I was like, ladies, I ain't paying attention. Nope. Yeah, pay attention. That's a um, that's a blessing right there. Um, <laughs> a lot of people don't have that skill, and well, that's when you know not, you can scout. It's not for everybody, you know. Yeah, it's definitely not for everybody. Like, I mean, it doesn't make anyone less of a like a good evaluator. Like, there's a difference between being a good, just a good evaluator, and being a good scout. Like all the stuff you just talked about, you gotta you gotta be able to look at multiple facets of the game and evaluate it as a whole and not just be breaking down one area. It's like uh, kind of everything comes together because 
when you're evaluating a hitter, you got to know what the pitcher's doing as well to see how his skills are stacking up against competition. Nonstop, yeah. I mean, nine innings, you got to lock in. Really got to lock in. There's no time to look at your phone or. Uh, I got so many. I got so many stories that run through my head right now about like sitting in the stands with other scouts and baseball personnel who like really could evaluate or like mm-hmm. not again not evaluate like you said scout really just like take in everything in their environment uh and then be able to evaluate that on top of it um i remember i was sitting with ed creech this is when i was an intern with the pirates i just thought it was cool i was sitting with the scouting director for the pirates at the time and he goes hey chris he goes take a look at the third baseman and the shortstop watch him right when the pitch gets to the plate and like both players hopped at the same time, they're like in sync. That's something the trained eye can see when looking at the entire field. He see like, he's looking at the entire field and he sees two people hopping like one thing in sync on the left, you know, and it doesn't mean anything. No, not from a baseball standpoint, really. It's, it's more the overall vision of the scout, you know, which I, that's why I think it's sad that old school scouts are kind of, kind of losing their way to analytics. Yeah. I think that's a real talent that's in the game today that's getting pushed out more and more. Like every player in the minor leagues is they're there for a reason. They're good enough to be in the big leagues. And it's like picking and separating what makes each player unique and what is going to carry him to make your team better. And that's, that's what I'm learning right now is how to like, uh, I mean, all these players are so good and so talented. You just got to, sometimes you don't see them on the right day. And it's like, you got to be able to, one, either supplement that with video look or two, really um, dive into him on his bad day, but still pulling away things that make him good. So that's a tough thing as well. Well, yeah, that's the flip side of it, right? Like you can see a lot in one day, but like you can't, you can't know the player completely by one outing, right? Oh, for sure. And then being a player and knowing that like some days I just did have it and I would like, Sometimes the player before the game even starts, you're like, man, this, I just don't feel right today. And like, that's going to happen. Like some players are going to be like that. So like there's other ways and other um, aspects of the game that you can impact like the intangibles. Uh, evaluating those intangibles is huge. And like, uh, just and the good scouts will be able to recognize that those intangibles and those circumstances. Like when a player has a bad game or like, I'm not saying that he's, he would make he or she, would make ex- excuses for the player on uh, their performance. But, like, a good scout can recognize, yeah, you know, the field conditions that day. Or, hey, they're playing in high desert California League and the ball flies, so pop-ups are home runs, you know, so the box score doesn't matter. Yeah, or the broken bat home runs that go out there. <laughs> I remember uh, Trip Martin um, with the Rangers. I yeah. first met him, and we were talking a little bit. And was, uh, I was like, well, where were you last year? And you talking about the Cal League. And then Phoenix had told me he had a broken bat. His bat snapped home run over the center field wall. Yeah. I'm like, I would give anything to be in that atmosphere. I went to one game there because, you know, it's close to Los Angeles. And because I just – I had to get there because I heard all the rumors. And it was just like – I mean, you drive up a mountain to get there pretty much. You know, like you go through this valley that's through mountains and then you get to the high desert. and. Mm-hmm. It's it's insane. Just the, the air just feels like you're on the moon up there. You know? Yeah, I, I just I love the scouting conversation because I'm such a fan. Like I hear like teams are choosing players off of uh, TrackMan data, and just that's when you know you have too many rounds in the draft. 
you know? Yeah, I, uh, that's what I'm like, as a scout, I'm glad that I mean, we're separate from the analytics and it's strictly like what you see on the field. Like you don't want to be biased from the numbers because like you said, the numbers can be a trap. Like the box score is a trap. You see a guy go four for four, could be four bloopers. You can't yeah. scout it by the box score. Other side of that, guy goes over oh, four. Um, you're like, oh, he had a really bad game. It's like, no, like he lined out four times and uh, hit a ball to the track. The guy robbed, the home run they robbed. I was talking to Ryan Costello last year about it. And he was, uh, the twins do a really good job, at least from what he told me, of like communicating to the players that, listen, this is the data we go off of. Like, we don't go off at the box score. Like, so if you go off a four and you hit two on the, on the screws and you lined out and the other two are good at bats, but, you know, the umpire called you out on a ball on the outside corner, but it was really a ball, it was a strike, called a strike. It's fine. Like, we're not – so I remember that he had a good frame of mind because of that. He's like, he didn't worry about the over four because it was really in his head, you know, two for three with a walk. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, being in Fort Myers when he was there, he was uh, scuffling a little bit. He was just wasn't getting his hits. And I remember I got to hang out with him. I was talking to him like, dude, like, like, uh, like, how how are you feeling? And he's like, I'm fine, man. Like, in his positivity, I was like, wow, like this guy gets it. Like, he really gets it. Yeah. Um, like, I always think about it. Like, I miss that guy. Like, he. I'll never forget. Uh, like our friendship during our playing career. Um, he, had a, yeah, he had the right mind. Yeah, the first time I met him was with you. We went to dinner that one time in Fort Myers because we picked him up from the Twins. Downtown Fort Myers? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the first time I okay. met him. Yeah. We were having a hard time finding a restaurant because they had some sort of thing going on down there. Yeah. <laughs> and then from there, man, like our friendship really took off because um, I was in Fort Myers for the better part of two years and he was there yeah. as well. Um, so you yeah, guys got it all or? Yeah, we got to hang out and talk a lot. Um, we had mutual friends that we hang out with. I thought you guys being the like the way your mind works and the way his mind works. I thought it was and both being hitters. I yeah, like a, like I knew that. I was like, I gotta get these guys together. And when you got injured, I was like, yeah, try to hang out because I figured that would be like a decent friendship, or you could yeah. at least learn, like maybe learn some things from each other. Learn a lot, and just how he handles scuffling and how I handle it, and kind of like combining that and trying to uh, stay stay as even kill as possible and not have the big ups and downs because that magnifies the slumps and you don't want to do that. And you can really let your year get away, get away from you. And uh, when he went to double A in Pensacola, he, he turned it on and yeah. he, he saved his year. Like, um, and that could have been, like he said, Florida state league is hard to play in a change of scenery for him could have been it. Um, Cause he got to double A and he raped and ended up having a really solid year. Um, Florida State League's oh. tough, man. Like it's you look at like compared to the California League, like you got you got like some parks that are tough to play in, but others are fine. And then you at least have some attendance. Florida State League's tough on attendance, man. So you're like you're down there. You, you went to spring training already. Now you're down there for another you know, five months in season at the same location. So now you've been there for like six, seven months. I mean, God, it's just a grind. It's tough humidity. The humidity, like in spring training, the ball flies at least. Like you can inside out of the home run to the opposite field. Florida State League, none of that's happening. Like ball's not traveling. I mean, his thing was uh, especially at 
the miracle plays, he would just crush ball to center, and they would the guys would be camped <laughs> under him. But yeah, because when he got traded uh, from the Mariners, was it the Mariners? Uh, yeah, Mariners, the Twins. Yeah, and he was saying like when he got to the Florida State League, um, <laughs> he would just crush balls in the gap, and the guys are just camped under him. He's like, <laughs> like I can't, I don't know what to do. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I miss that guy. Hold on, hold on a second. My dog's barking at the door. Daisy, Daisy just came in here too. Is that Brody or uh, Wes? Wes. She's like, what the puppy? <laughs> I think Daisy's up too. There she is. Hey. The, the monster herself. How old is he? It's a. He's a. He's like. Yeah, two and a half. Oh, she's about to turn two in July. Wow. Hey, how much does he weigh? Uh, he's like I think twenty-seven pounds, twenty-eight pounds. Oh, he's so he's thick. Yeah, he's good. He's muscular. She's nineteen, so she's small. Uh, yeah. But, uh, I think girls are usually smaller, anyways, right? Yeah, I think they vary a little bit. I got another. The other, my other friend, she's uh. Hey, you're in the way. Um, he's like 40 pounds. Really? I've never seen one that big. I know. Old, how, how old is he? He's, like, he's older, right? Yeah, he's he just turned six, I think. Gotcha. Just seven. Yeah, we're uh, we're we're gonna get another one. I don't know how much he'll like that, but. 